Well, to be honest with you, there ain't too many people I stand in awe of, are you? But I sure do him. I can't wait till I can be able to get in his presence. And if it's this good, just feeling him the way that we do and knowing him the way that we do, what's it going to be like when all the veils are taken away and we're there in our glorified bodies with all the saints of God? It's going to be awesome, isn't it? Let's turn tonight to Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. <clears throat> Revelation 19, 11. We believe we're living in the last days, don't we? Yeah. In great times, but terrible times. Awful. Absolutely horrible times as far as the things that are going on around us. But for as the people of God, it is our time of deliverance but for those who are going to be left behind when the rapture takes place it's going to be a terrible terrible time we can already see I believe pre-tribulation things that are happening they're happening around us uh, in the last just in the last few weeks devastating floods I saw a video just the other day of Chicago um, three and a half inches of water in one place, four and a half in another place, six inches of water in another place, bursting the water mains down beneath the city. So you saw cars that were floating down the streets and then gushing up was water from the broken water mains and you've got floods here and there and droughts and trouble and heartache and I say, come Lord Jesus. Amen. And this is mild. This is mild compared to what it's going to be. But Jesus said, Pray ye therefore always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all those things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. That's my prayer and my desire. I trust that's yours tonight. Let's turn now to um, Revelation 19.11. We'll read a few verses there. This is the setting of the battle of Armageddon. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. How strange these scriptures are, all symbols, of course. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Now his name isn't the Word of God, but his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. I may like to be remembered tonight as we pray. I'm sure that most of you probably know that Erica came through a procedure today and the doctor said that it went, went well. Um, they're saying that she could be uh, dealing with things like sort of like flu symptoms, not feeling very well and could be sore tomorrow and some pain. So um, would you help us to continue to pray for her? Actually, her and Lance are on the way home right now and I talked to them just a few minutes ago and they were coming through Knoxville and she'd been laying on her back for several hours today, so she's very, very uncomfortable. I believe the presence of the Lord can go right to where they are, yeah. don't you? As well as come to our needs tonight, too. 
Lord Jesus, as our sister has sung this beautiful song to us tonight, that we stand in awe of who you are. At one time, for us to have stood in your presence, all of us being sinners, we would have been horrified. We would have been so afraid to look upon your face. But we're so thankful that you have tread the winepress of the wrath of God. And you took our judgment upon yourself that we might be free and redeemed. So tonight we can stand in your presence, not terrified and shaking and trembling because we're scared to death we would be lost, but because of your overwhelming, awesome presence. Lord, we bring our needs, our desires, our requests before you, and we lay them at the great golden altar by which we know there is still a lamb and atonement which makes them acceptable. Father, we bring all the needs of those that lifted their hands, and no doubt there was many more streaming tonight. They had a request as well. We pray that you'd be with them. Father, we're thankful today that the procedure went well for Erica. Lord God, we're asking you, you see this pain in her back and not feeling very good, but may the angel of the Lord, you know exactly where they are in the interstate, Lord. I pray the Spirit of God would come down right now in the vehicle. Would you touch her, Lord? Would you give her strength tonight, Father? We believe that you are present help in the time of need. We send your word. Now, Lord, we stand in such need of you tonight. And I'm sure that I'm the most needy one here. My, my lot to stand before the people of God and speak the words of life. Help me. Shut my mouth to anything that would displease you. May I follow your spirit tonight, Lord. Unctionize your word. Grant it, Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. <clears throat> We know John sees him in Revelation chapter 1, and it's identified as a sevenfold personage of God. That's what the prophet called it. But as he goes on in the book of Revelation, we see other things about him that are identified that change from Revelation chapter 1 even up through chapter 4. Because the church is gone uh, as far as age-wise after chapter 4, and we see things happening down in chapter 16, 17, 18, on down, that is very, very terrible things in the way of judgment. And it's a part of God, of course, that many people don't like to believe, and a part of God that many people don't want to receive. But yet, it is true, and it is faithful. And we know that God must reveal himself in righteousness. God cannot look at man's sin and just turn a blind eye and say, oh, that's okay, it don't matter, that's fine. No, that's the way Laodicea does him, but that's not the way our God is. And what we're coming to here in the Battle of Armageddon is the great and final battle. We know that it started in heaven when there was a war that actually started in heaven. And it was brought down on the earth. And the judgment seat will be completed on the earth. And there, those who have sinned will have to answer before God. And the white throne judgment will be set upon the earth. They'll never go to heaven to be judged. They'll actually be judged right here. But we know that he will consume many, many millions of people with the spirit of his mouth 
which is his living word. Now, myself, if I'm going to be smitten by that word, I'm going to be smitten right now. I don't want to be smitten after a while. I want to be smitten right now, and I want to be able to find that God's mercy has meted to me the thing that I asked for, not what I deserved. But the thing that I asked for was mercy and pardon and forgiveness. Now, if we turn that down, then justly we will receive the punishment that will come from the Lamb, which turns from the Lamb attribute into the great judge and the mighty conqueror. Now, John identifies this as him that does judge and make war, but unlike most of the kings that have lived on the earth, he doesn't make war with a selfish motive. He's not making war to take another kingdom or to take another city or to take somebody else's gold or somebody else's property. I mean, all the prophet tells us that in 1957, that war should be fought with true principles. Now we know that as the people of God, there's times we will have to fight wars. We don't like to, but there's times we have to do it. We have to draw our sword and draw a line between right and wrong. And there's times that we will actually have to stand against people. Now I know this hurts your feelings. I know, I know. But yet the prophet said anybody that is against God's word is your enemy. Well, that's what he said in 1965. They are against God's word, so they are your enemy. Now, for myself, I'm a peacemaker. Every child of God is. But there's times that we become uh, called under the auspices of the great coming king, and we must strike sin. We must strike that which is ungodly, that which is unclean, which is basically everything out here in the world anymore. And by doing that, we're going to be totally misunderstood. We're going to be categorized as people that do not have love, people that are not forgiving, and we are not a people that are identified with sin, yet we do have love, but we love and know that love is corrective. Is that right? Love is not this ooey-gooey stuff that in Laodicea that you just, you know, put your arms around everybody and everybody's going to heaven the way they are. No, that's not the truth. You go to hell the way you are. You go to heaven the way he changes you to be. But there is a righteousness about God that doth judge and make war. And we know that this will be the final of the earthly battles in this way. And whenever John sees him, he sees attributes that are now made manifest after that he's changed from the Lamb which has been upon the throne of God. Now we've already seen that coming out of the temple of God under the dispensation of grace comes the angels with sounds of mercy and dispensations of grace. But once the lamb comes off the mercy seat, then we see from the house of God comes the smoky pillar. It changes now from the pillar of fire overshadowing the mercy seat producing grace. But the angels of God come out of that same house of God and they have golden bowls or vials in their hands and in there is not grace and mercy and forgiveness and 
and pardon, but in there is one vial after another after another. What is it? The judgment of God. Now, when the Lamb changes his dispensation and it goes from being called the Lamb of God, then he's going to come to the earth as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he comes, there is no mercy. I don't want to meet him like that, friends. Now, I want you to notice here in Revelation 19, 12, that John said his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Now, remember, of course, this is all symbol, but notice the difference in his eyes, that his eyes are now, not, not now peering through eyes of forgiveness and eyes of mercy and eyes of grace, but they are eyes that are appearing with fire. I mean, know that fire is a symbol, of course, of anger. My daddy used to look at me like that sometimes. My mama used to look at me that way, and I, I imagine I probably looked at my young ones the same way, and some of you probably looked at yours the same way, but there's something about it that whenever we look at someone who's anger, and we can see the anger actually changes their countenance. Is that right? And they may look a certain way until they get angry, and you can watch them, that when they get angry, that their face will change. Their eyes will change. The pronunciation, even sometimes of the flushing on the cheeks will change, and they will take on a different image. Well, this is what's happening here to him, that he is now taking on an image which is totally different from that of Revelation chapter 5, because he is coming as the great conqueror to judge and make war on the earth. Notice John says on his head were many crowns, many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Now again, a symbolism of a crown. Now I found this in a Bible concordance and I thought it was so awesome that I wanted to share it with you. That our Lord, whenever he does appear, that he will be coming now, he's already been crowned by his bride. And we know as of right now, he has not received the crown because he is the mediator under the dispensation of the blood of the Lamb of God. But whenever the bride is caught up in a body change, our Lord will have changed his garments, as it were, from being the high priest to being the king, and he is looking for his sweetheart. And whenever the bride is caught up, then we are given, of course, not coming through the white throne judgment, but we are given, each of us are given a crown of life. Now studying the New Testament, the old as well, of course you know there's many representations of crowns. And Paul said we would receive a crown of life. There is a crown of life, a crown of righteousness, a crown of this, a crown of that. So even the saints of God, many of us will never receive a, a martyr's crown. But Paul will, Apollos, many of the different ones who died a martyr, so a crown is something that's given to crown your life. It's under a certain symbol of what you overcome. And Paul will receive a martyr's crown. Probably most of us in this dispensation will not. So when we look at them, then bearing that crown, it will have a significance to us that we will know this one died for the Lord. And this one gave their life. And there's Polycarp. And there's a Saint Justin. And there's this and that and the other. And we will know when they wear 
their crown, it is a significance of a victory in their life. And whenever we look at the Lord Jesus and John sees him as he's coming, and he doesn't just have one crown on his head. Now, the one would be sufficient, certainly, to signify who he is, just that one crown as being king of kings. But he's also Lord of lords. But he is not just a crown king in being identified as the king over all other kings. But he also had an earthly journey in which he was very victorious. Now when he was here, he didn't look like as far as the world was concerned that he probably conquered much of anything. Because the world, the majority of them didn't even know who he was and the majority of people never even knew he was here. But yet in his journey, as unknown as it was to the majority of the world, he fought many, many battles. And as I've already told you as it was in the ancient times that in Spain and England and France and many, much of the European countries that they might have a crown of a certain city. I was going through looking at them again today and there were so many of them and so multiple ones there's no way I could uh, be able to take pictures of all of them. But I saw the crown of Uruguay and I saw the crown of Portugal and I saw the crown of Spain and I saw the crown of even cities that was broke down and I saw the crown of Madrid and I saw the crown of Italy and I saw the crown of Milan and I saw this one and that one and that one and whenever a man would come in and conquer that city or that country, each city that he would conquer, he would get that crown. And here John says our Lord Jesus has many crowns on his head. They're not just ours, but it's to signify what he conquered when he was here on the earth. So shall we look a few of them tonight? I believe on his head is going to be because of the many triumphs that he went through, the crown of victory. He wears a crown of victory for ever foe is or will be overthrown. Amen. Now some of them yet have not been overcome, but we'll go ahead and say it like they are because we know they're going to be. So he is going to wear a crown of ultimate victory. Now it will not be like a boxer or someone that would maybe wear the crown now and have the belt for this and that and the other and then a year or two they would lose it to somebody else. But you see once he gets these crowns no one will ever take them away. So so he will wear the crown of victory, complete victory. Already he has conquered death, hell, and the grave. But as Armageddon comes now to where it's going to be in Revelation 19, he will also conquer the beast, the antichrist, and the powers that are to be on the earth. So he will ultimately wear the crown of victory. Wonder where in the world he got all these crowns out. Well, the bride is his vindicated word, and he actually rode her her down to Armageddon. Now Satan actually rides his church to the battle of Armageddon and the Lord Jesus rides his bride. Amen. Well, you're going to sit and look at me funny until I read you the quote and then you'll say amen. Or you can go and say amen now, whichever one you want to do. Now, he wears a crown of victory, but he also wears another crown called a crown of sovereignty. For he's king of kings and lord of lords. So there is no power above him. There's nothing even nowhere like him. There has never been, nor will there ever be, anything that could ever compare to his greatness 
kindness, his compassion, all everything that he ever done, there was no one that could even ever compare at all. So we'll go ahead and tell the devil tonight, the devil ain't got no crown of sovereignty, he ain't got no crown of victory, he ain't got no crown of healing, he ain't got no crown of power, he ain't got no power of no crown of resurrection, because the devil is a defeated foe. Our Lord Jesus has already broke his power. So he's got a crown of victory, he's got a crown of sovereignty. Another crown, we'll say, we'll call this one the crown of creation. For all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You see, these crowns could only fit his head. Now, if I give him my crown, you give him your crown, then the consummation, what are we doing? When we throw our crowns at his feet, we are proving that we still are unworthy in his presence to hold our crown. Why would I want to hold it? He's the one that deserves it all. And I might give him my crown, you might give him yours, but none, none of us could have these crowns. There's only one head that this will fit on and that's the resurrected Lord Jesus. Oh, glory. He wears another crown called the crown of providence, for he sustains, supplies, and rules all that he has made. He sustains, supplies, and rules all that he has made. Oh, but our lives are in his hand. But Brother Donnie, things are out of control. No, they ain't. It's just you and I thinking they're out of control. Amen. He wears the crown of grace, for he redeemed his people by his blood he conquers them by his spirit molds them by his truth and brings every one of them to complete perfection he wears the crown of grace he wears the crown of mercy he wears the crown of long suffering he wears the crown of patience and forgiveness all glory to God he wears many crowns Thank you, Lord God. He wears the crown of glory for every one of his glorified people. Oh, their honor and their happiness and their victory completely to their Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He will wear many crowns. Notice now the Father also has put a crown upon his head in Psalms 21.3. For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. Oh my. Oh, when we come to this spot, all the crowns of the kings will be his. All the crowns that men have ever done. Napoleon and Hitler and all the great men Oh my, even the righteous kings such as David and Hezekiah and all of the great people that have lived in the past, they will cast their crowns down before the Lord Jesus and we will bow before him because here he comes out of heaven. Notice he don't wait till he conquers the devil at Armageddon, but he comes already crowned. Who crowned him? The armies of the saints. Notice he not only has many crowns on his head, but he has a new name. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. Now I know this staggers some folks, but Jesus, his name on earth was Redeemer Jesus. 
When he was on earth, he was the redeemer, that's true. And he conquered death and hell and overcome them and ascended on high and he received a new name. That's the reason they holler. The way they're doing don't get nothing. It'll be revealed in the thunders. <laughs> Hello. Notice this in the Philadelphian church age. I will write my new name upon him. Now this are the overcoming bride of every age. They will have the new name of the conqueror and his name will be their name. Notice my new name. When all becomes new, then he will take upon him a new name. And that name will be the name of the bride also. Praise the Lord. What that name is, none dare conjecture. It would have to be a revelation of the Spirit given so conclusively that none would dare deny. But no doubt, he will leave that revelation to the day when he desires to give that name forth. Suffice it to know that it will be more wonderful than we could ever imagine. My goodness, if the name of the Lord Jesus is so wonderful and demons tremble at that name, can you imagine what that new name is going to be? Oh, Brother Donnie, tell me, tell me. How can I tell you? I don't know it. I'm just a knucklehead like you knuckleheads. But that name will be revealed when we need it. I've got the name I need right now. I've got the name that I cast out devils by. I've got the name that I lay hands on the sick by. That's the name I need right now. Glory to God. Amen. Notice that he was clothed with a vesture dipped, dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Red, an emblem of blood, also of slaughter. Mm. The picture John borrows from Isaiah's prophecy symbolic of the judgment of God headed up and consummated in this person, the Lord Jesus. Notice Isaiah 63, 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thine garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? Now remember God prophetically had said this through the lips of Isaiah. So he likens the Messiah to being the one in the wine press. And he would get inside of there and tread the grapes with his feet. And when they would do that, then the juice would come up on them and they would be splattered on their legs, splattered on their garments. What's he liken Jesus to being? Notice this now. We must meet him in that wine press if we go in the rapture. Or we will meet him after the wine press and then it'll be too late whenever the rapture's already taken place. I want to meet him now. 
Notice he says, I have trodden the winepress alone. And of the people, there was none with me. I wonder where Mary was then. I wonder where Joseph was. I wonder where St. Cecilia and all the saints were. That you pray for so-and-so for good weather. And you pray for this saint for, you know, a safety cruise. And you pray for this one for a good airplane ride. He said, I looked around and I didn't see nobody there but me. That's good enough for me. What about you? So he said, there wasn't nobody in there. There wasn't no church. There wasn't no prophet. There wasn't no pope. And there certainly wasn't no Mary. Notice, for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. Notice, so he's not just walking gently, but he is trampling upon them. What is this? The battle of Armageddon. So when the judgment comes, he is doing this in righteous anger. He is trampling on Satan, trampling on the beast power. And as he does, the blood, as it were, and the symbol comes flashing out of the grapes, the people, and comes all over him. Oh, Lord, if it wasn't for his grace, that'd be me. If it wasn't for his mercy, that would be us. Trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Notice Revelation 19, 14. And the armies which were in heaven, armies, huh, armies which were in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed, in fine linen, white and clean. Notice the armies, it doesn't mention nothing about them having weaponry. Nor do they have a battle plan. Nor does it say the angels are going to do the fighting. There's only one fighting in this battle. But when he's the one, one's all you need. That's right. Now, they yet, they are attacked even though they have no weaponry. The beast and his army, his Catholics and his Protestants. You see, John says something about them as well. That they appear in white linen, fine linen, clean and white. So the commander of the armies is the only one that John says has anything to fight with. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And with him he will slay the beast. Oh my. So the word of God will go out of his mouth. It is active. It is alive. It is powerful. Oh, I'm so glad that it's already cut me free. What about you? You see, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.12 that the word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll cut you now or it'll cut you then. Cut me now, Jesus. Now, what? notice these believers. It doesn't mean now naturally, of course, that we're going to be riding on a white horse. We're already riding on a power. 
power, which is a symbolism of victory. And we know, of course, in Napoleon and different ones of these, whenever they would come in, that they would choose a white horse. Many of the Caesars, many of the great victors down through time, when they would do their victory march, they would pick a white horse, as white as it could be. Many of them love the Andalusians. So they would get the Andalusian whenever they would ride on the Andalusian, and it would pick up its front legs and its back legs, and the hair growing down over the top of my, they would prance, and here they would come down through there, and that white horse, as white as it could be, and white was a symbol of victory. And here we are riding on the symbol before the battle ever starts. Uh oh, sounds like to me somebody knows how this is going to end. Amen. And we are already riding on a symbol of victory, which is why it sounds like to me he knows, Brother John, how this battle is going to end. Let me tell you something tonight, church. You may be going through hell. You might be fighting everything in the world, but your Lord Jesus already knows how this is going to end. If you can have faith tonight, you know he will not leave you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This word here, bisesis, is the fine linen. I've shared it with you before that the linen, which of course was raised out of flax, and at certain times down through history, this linen was worth more than gold. More than gold. And yet here the saints are clothed. What in? Linen. Look at Revelation 3, 4. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white. Wow, what a privilege. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus saying, come take a walk with me. Come walk with me. And you won't stand there, Brother Rob, trembling and shaking and scared to death, but somehow you will feel that you are accepted in his presence. And it's not you saying, I'm worthy, I'm worthy, I'm worthy. It ain't you saying that. It ain't me saying it. It's him saying it. It's one thing. We can say anything. You know, we are as human beings. We can say anything. But it's another thing when he says, you can walk with me in white, for you are worthy. How can the Lord God look at human beings that were born in sin, shaping iniquity, come to the world speaking lies, and look at them and say, you are worthy of me. You are worthy of my city. You are worthy of my presence. How so, Lord? Because I have made you thus. Notice Revelation 4, 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Revelation 7, 9. After this I behold and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Revelation 15, 6. And the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen. Can you imagine saints of God wearing clothes that look like angelic beings. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. 
As a matter of fact, if you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you've got more authority tonight in heaven than an angel does. <laughs> Revelation 19, 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Hey, John didn't say his wife has made herself wife, but she made herself ready. And to her was granted, granted, granted. What is a grant? Something given to you. Oh my. To her it was granted. You didn't deserve it. You didn't buy it. You didn't barter it. It was granted. What is it? The bride's grant. The bride's grant is to be clothed and fine linen, clean and white. Praise the Lord. Clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Revelation 19, 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that it, he should smite the nations. He should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. This is how you and I can stand there and be dressed in fine linen. Because he met the wrath of God. He stepped into the wine press when it should have been me. It should have been you. And he stepped in the wine press, Brother Jack, and said, I'll take Jackie Benton's place. I'll take Donnie Reagan's place. I'll stand there and I'll tread and I'll have the wrath of God placed on me. I'll be beat for Donnie. I'll be whipped for Ryan. I'll be chastised. I'll be rebuked for my daughters. I'll be rebuked and chastened for my sons. I will tread the wine press of the wrath of God. God, settle your dispute with me. But can you imagine when he changed his clothes at the rapture? When we go to the marriage supper and when he comes back, here he is and he's got on a different garment. Now he looks totally different. We was all sitting there at the marriage supper of the Lamb, sitting at our table thousands of miles long, and we was just having a big old time. I mean, it was wedding day, you know, the consummation of the whole thing and marriage supper of the Lamb day, and we're just sitting there and we watch him disappear for a moment as it were, and here he steps out. My goodness, Napoleon couldn't even come nowhere close to what he looked like. Hitler and none of the rest of them, and what is he dressed like? A conqueror. And we look at him and say, my goodness, oh, what is it? Oh, I remember, I remember sitting down there on a Wednesday night, wasn't it uh, September the 14th, 2022? I remember hearing that sermon about this. Now this day, this scripture is being fulfilled. I see our Lord step out from behind there. Oh, glory to God, he ain't dressed up in lamb's clothes and he ain't dressed up in wedding garments, but he's dressed up in a mighty conqueror outfit. Praise the Lord. Here he stands like the risen Lord, but he's not now coming in mercy with a sword. Notice 2 Thessalonians 2.8. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness 
of his coming. And think of it. You are part of that brightness. I hope it don't confuse you. But the armies of heaven add to the illumination of our conquering king. Because there you are in glorified bodies with that glory that you had with him before the foundation of the world in his mind. And now it's on your appearance. Oh my, for we shall know him and we shall see him as he is and we will appear in glory with him. So can you imagine? It won't just be the Lord Jesus there in glory and the great Shekinah of God, but there will be the bride, the armies of heaven, thousands times 10,000 of the Old Testament and the New. It will be like a great illumination of all of heaven when Jesus Christ and his bride and light and the eminence of God come in. Hallelujah! Why the Lord Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints and here she is with his glory Lord have mercy children think of it in one time we were sinners down here drinking smoking cussing lying living in adultery and the power of God so changed us and changed our bodies that now we are heirs of the glory of God Notice Revelation 1.16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now here John sees him in a glorified stage, which the same thing happened on Mount Transfiguration. Jesus prefigured this, the glory of God coming upon his body, but remember, there was two other guys standing there with him, Moses and Elijah, the raptured and the dead, standing transfigured together on the mountain. Praise the Lord. And at the bottom of the mountain were people living there in not changed bodies. What is it? The coming of the future kingdom. In the millennium, the heathen will be raised who never had the opportunity to hear. Right? God has reserved an element down through time. And God is not going to raise up those and give them a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. Nope. They've done past their chance under grace. That's it. But God has reserved, no doubt, thousands and millions of people down through time and maybe even part of the people living today that have never heard the truth in the foreign lands. And God will raise them up after the end of this Armageddon battle when everything is destroyed. And he will allow them to live on the earth at the foot of the mountain in unglorified bodies. Ooh, hallelujah. Can you imagine living on earth with people in glorified bodies and there you stand in your human body? And they're standing there talking to you and all of a sudden they get a message from heaven. Uh, Donnie, would you care to come over to Jerusalem? We need you right there. Yes, sir, Lord, I'll be right there. So I'm standing there talking to you and all of a sudden, poof, I just disappear. And now you're standing there shaking and saying, my goodness, I wish I could do that. Well, you got to be bride to be able to appear and disappear. <laughs> you got to be part of the invisible to become invisible yourself. Amen. Oh, you're such a bunch of nonsense. No, it ain't. It's God's Bible. Amen. Is it not written? He said, ask of me of the heathen and I will give them to thee for thine inheritance. Who do you think he's going to rule and reign over in the millennium with a rod of iron? It's going to be the unconverted. It ain't going to be the bride. The bride's in glorified bodies. No, 
notice Revelation 2.16, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will fight against them. Uh-oh, here's the prophetic symbol with the sword of my mouth. You see, this is something about the gospel that people don't even realize today. They say, my goodness, them preachers I got their mad. What in the world? Them preachers, they, boy, they look like they're mad on a hornet. They don't understand the anointing. It's the spirit of the judge that gets on you sometimes. And boy, you lay it out there and you cut and you slash and you rip and you tear. And people say, boy, Jesus ain't like that. You've not read your Bible enough. This is Jesus I'm talking about tonight. Notice Psalm 2.8. Ask of me and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. This is not the bride. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So at the Feast of Tabernacles, now remember the, the millennium is still under the number seven. It's the dispensation of the Feast of Tabernacles. We will build our own houses in the millennium. So we will come up to worship and we will come up and you know, the Ezekiel 44 through 48, that's when the millennium temple is gonna be built and the one gate will be reserved for the Son of Man, Christ himself. He'll be the only one that'll be able to go inside that one gate and the saints of God will be gathered all around him and the dispensations of magistrates and so on on the earth and that's when the righteousness of the Lord will cover the entire earth and the saints of God will rule and reign with him for a thousand years, you women. So they will rule and reign with him for a thousand years in glorified bodies, but there will be people there that will not have glorified bodies. And when we go to church, some of them will say, I believe I'll just stream. Wouldn't you hate to be streaming the marriage supper of the Lamb? Streaming's all right, but I'll tell you one thing, it wasn't meant to place going to the house of God. Sure, if you can't stream, you're sick, and I thank God for it. But we got a bunch of lazy people around the message, and they sure have got lazy under COVID, and they just want to stay home instead of coming to the house of God. You better get that thing off of you right now. Well, praise the Lord. And the saints of God will be carrying out the magistrates of the Lord. This is, friend, this is when the adoption of the sons of God. So what will we do? The Lord God will put his sons over the care of the earth. And those that do not come up at the Feast of Tabernacles to worship me and Brother Darrell and whoever more, these preachers, Brother Joel and, and Brother John and these other guys, the Lord said, John, get over there. Get over to Egypt right now. And you tell them sorry outfits. I didn't see their face in church on Sunday morning. You tell them they ain't getting no rain. John said, yes, sir. John will go over there and said, all right, I'm a spokesman from the Lord God. I'm an ambassador for the Almighty. The Lord said you all didn't come to church, so you ain't getting no rain on your crops. After a little dry spell, they'll be sending Brother John a text or an email or however we'll communicate over and say, Brother John, we're so sorry, but you tell the man we're sorry. Brother John, will you tell him the next time them church doors is open, we're going to be there with a smile on our face. We ain't going to have no attitude. We ain't going to come in pounding. We're going to get there because we need rain. That's the way I feel right now. I need the rain of the Holy Ghost, don't you? I don't want to just come to church and set the like a bump on a pickle, but I need to be rained on by the presence of God. I need healing, I need deliverance, I need peace, I need the presence of God to rain on my crops so I can worship it.
listen in this millennial reign. Psalm 2.9. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. There's going to be some stubborn outfits in the millennium, ain't Revelation 2.27, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I have received of my father. Revelation 12.5, she brought forth a man-child who is to rule all nations. Now remember, they will raise as nations, as nationalities. There will be the Bedouin tribe. There will be the ones from Mesopotamia, from Iran, from Iraq. The aboriginals, all types of nations and nationalities will raise and have never heard the gospel. And what's some, but you say it's hard, hard for you to believe in one way, and they will sit there and hear and see this great millennial reign. And at the end of that millennium, they will make their choice to stand against Jesus Christ. Can you imagine living in the millennium, seeing people in glorified bodies appear, disappear, all the great things that's going to happen? There'll never be another war. There'll be no deaths in the millennium. There'll be no babies dying. There'll be no heartache. There'll be nothing like that. And those people will see every bit of that. It will be a kingdom like the world has never known. And still at the end of that kingdom, they will take sides with the devil because he's loose out of his prison for a little season. And then he'll go up to, from the four corners of the earth and gather Gog and Magog. And then they'll all gather together and they will actually take sides with the devil and say, I hate you, Jesus. I hate your reign. I didn't like going to church. And I want to tell you right now, I didn't like going to church. But I had to go to church as long as you was king because you made me. If I didn't go to church, I wouldn't get no reign. But I want you to know right now the devil's back and I'm on his side. You imagine what a difference there is between you and them. Because when you chose him, it was in Laodicea. Right in the middle of hell. You've had the office bunch of trials and tests and trouble. These heathen have lived in the millennium. They never had no temptations of the devil. The devil wasn't even here. They never had no temptation with evil women and with drinking and all that sort of thing. And they couldn't live right in the millennium. You live right in the worst age that's ever been on the earth. Praise be to God. There was days when he, when he felt like he was a million miles away. There was days when you cried and prayed and you thought, oh God, have you forgotten my name? Have you forgotten where I live, Lord? But you served him anyhow. And they were right in the millennium in the reign of Jesus Christ. And they say, I hate you, Jesus. You see, the bride looks at it this way. The worst day of her life being a Christian is better than the best day of being a sinner. Praise the Lord. Amen. Notice the woman with the stars now over her head, Israel. She brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Revelation 14, 19. And the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. 
Now you see what's already happened prior to this was the angel of God thrust his sickle into the earth and he gathered the bride for a rapture. He didn't throw her into the wine press. He threw her into the arms of her beloved. Praise be to God. Friends, don't you see? We're getting into one spirit or the other. We're getting into the spirit of the world. We're getting ready for tribulation. We're getting ready for death. We're getting ready for all that. Or we're getting ready to leave this world. We're getting ready to be together. You're going, I'm not doing it. Yes, you are. Everybody in this building tonight, everybody on the face of the earth is going to be gathered to light or to darkness. You're going to be forced on the issue. You're going to have to take sides. I'll take sides with Jesus. I'd rather face the devil every day of my life and not even feel the Spirit of God if I have to go the rest of my life and he never hears another prayer. If I have to go the rest of my life without ever feeling the anointing again, I'll still preach, I'll still pray, I'll still study, I'll still read my Bible, I'll do the very best that I can do and I will go that way if I have to. I do not want to choose sides with Satan. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Revelation 19, 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that find the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together into the supper of the great God. Isn't it amazing how that these symbols join together under the gathering time? You see, these people are be gathered, and they're going to be gathered together at that great valley of Megiddo, the valley of Jehoshaphat. And God is also speaking to the fowls of the air by the millions. You imagine birds being so stupid and so dumb, yet they will come from Syria, Iran, Iraq. They will fly from Damascus. They will fly from Egypt. And they will gather and gather for days and maybe weeks. CNN will broadcast it. MSNBC, Fox News, CBN, all the rest of them. We don't understand what's going on. But birds are gathering by the millions. It's forerunning the supper. God's gathering the birds to start eating on the bodies. Well, I'm glad there's a gathering going on right now. And we're eating on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. Don't you understand? Answers one's right back to the other. You're going to be gathered to something. It's not like that we can remain neutral. No, no, I'm not taking sides. You're forced to take sides. Notice what God speaks to the birds. That you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him 
that sat on the horse and against his army. Now notice it started out in plural form, armies. Now it's narrowed down to army. <laughs> and the beast was taken. And with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him. With which he deceived them that received the mark of the beast. And them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire. Burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with a sword. Notice, not me and you, not angels. Jesus just turns to the bride and said, y'all just watch. I just wanted you with me for vindication of who I am. You've already fought. You've been rewarded. I just wanted you along for the personification of my glory. Now watch me in battle. You all weren't alive when I hung on the tree. You weren't alive when I come out of the tomb. But you're alive now. Oh. Hallelujah! And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the, the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Hang tight now. Fourth seal. Notice life followed rider on white horse. Who was the word? Life vindicated by his resurrected saints that he had with him. Lord, can you imagine? We are the vindication of this Revelation 19 act taking place. If he could change us, he can surely defeat that devil. You are a testimony of the miraculous power of God that he can save you, sanctify you, fill you with the Holy Ghost, and then not only that, but forgive you 10,000 times, 10,000 times after you become a child of God. Glory to God, and you will be there. Just being there is the vindication of who he is. Nobody can do that but him. <laughs> Vindicated by his resurrected saints that he had with him. Now how's the battle going to go? Jesus said, he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You were dead, yet shall you live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And again he said, he that believeth in me, he'll give him eternal life and raise him up at the last day. Notice he says, here comes Satan from all four corners of the earth with his Protestants and with his Catholics marching right up to the battle of Armageddon. And here comes Jesus coming down from heaven with resurrected saints vindicated word. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus ain't got a bunch of Bibles. Jesus ain't got a bunch of message books. He ain't got the message software. He ain't got a bunch of iPads. Amen. 
but he's got resurrected saints. Vindicated word. Vindicated word. The word of God living in our lives. And he said, this is all the armament I need. This is all the vindication I need. Because nobody could do for these people what I could do. Oh, glory to God. And as I said, if God speaks and sends you, he backs up what you say. And if you'll notice, if you're an ambassador from heaven, all heaven's behind you. And heaven is consisted of the word. Notice, he's come with his resurrected saints vindicating that his word is true. So Satan knows. <laughs> he knows then the bottomless pits is ready for him. Woo! When he sees Jesus and his bride on the earth, the devil's finally convinced. I'm in for it. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm done for. I'm finished. It finally dawns on him when he sees the bridegroom and the bride both in resurrected bodies. While death rode the pale horse, mixed creed and denominations followed him. My, the eternal separation from God, that's where he rode them to. Eternal separation. Christ rode his church right into glory in the resurrection. You are his vehicle. You are his means of transport. Satan's means to transport him to Armageddon is his church. They will ride their trucks. They will bring their tanks. They will bring their howitzers. They will bring their HIMARS. They will bring their hypersonic bombs. They'll bring this and that and the other. And Jesus says, I've got all, my, all I need. Climbs right up on the church and says, come on church, take me to victory. And here we come. Blessing his name, worshiping his name. Can't you see why a real child of God is a worshiper? Don't you understand what was it that little Rebecca done when she went down and unwatered them camels? She was giving water and praise to the very power that was gonna pack her home. And the prophet of God said, that's what we do. We give water and we give praise and we give worship to the same Holy Ghost that's gonna change our bodies. And the Lord Jesus says, little bride, carry me to Armageddon. Carry me to Armageddon, little bride. Let me find a place to close. I don't want to close. I want to finish this battle. 
It's going right back the way it did. It started in heaven. It's coming to the end time battle. The first thing in heaven was a battle. Lucifer was kicked out and come to the earth. Then he polluted Eden. Then he's been polluting ever since. And now from battle in heaven, it's coming to the battle on earth. And it's to be finished on the earth at the end time in a battle called Armageddon. Revelation 16, 17, and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. The greatest loss of life that has ever been brought on the earth as far as records have been kept by an earthquake was 830,000 January the 23rd 1556 in the Shenzhou province in China 830,000 that will pale in size compared to this one every city will be destroyed Every mountain will be brought down. It will be an earthquake like it has never been on the earth. Now, this is not even the tribulation period. This is the very end of the tribulation period. Of course, it's the earthquake of Zechariah 14, 4, and 5. The islands will be destroyed. The Dead Sea. Notice, according to the prophecy in Ezekiel, the Dead Sea will be healed at the messianic coming of the millennium. Oh, glory. And actually the sea level of the Dead Sea will be raised, the lowest place on the earth, the Dead Sea. But God will so change the topography of the whole earth. Mountains will be brought down. Islands will flee away. And the Dead Sea will be brought up. Can you imagine the Spirit of God pushing the Dead Sea up? And the Dead Sea will flow into the Red Sea. Why? It's the hinder part of what Ezekiel prophesied about. And he said there'll be fishermen down there. There'll be fishers down in the Dead Sea. Well, if you've ever been to the Dead Sea, you know there ain't no fish in it. They can't live in it. As a matter of fact, whenever we was there, people walk out in the middle of that thing and they just lay right out on the water and you can't sink. You can just sit right there and float because it's got so much stuff in it if you want to get into all that stuff. But God will raise the topography of the earth and he will bring that sign of death, the lowest place on the earth. Can't you see how he specializes in bringing the lowest things on the earth? Don't you see what he's done to you? You are a spiritual answer to that red, that dead sea. You were dead. You were lost. You were without him. And he raised you up. And now 
the life is flowing out of you back into the presence of God. And you are his vindicated word. Praise God. So the waters of the Dead Sea, so the Dead Sea is like this, and God will raise the topography of the earth, and the Dead Sea will come up and be elevated above the Red Sea. And now that which could never have life, that which would seem totally impossible, will now be the source of life. Why fulfills the prophecy of Ezekiel, the messianic coming of the Lord Jesus on the earth? Getting in the spirit. Which spirit are we going to get into? Oh, I want to be in the resurrection, don't you? Praise God. It will actually divide the great city, Jerusalem. The earthquake standing on the Mount of Olives, and it will cleave in half, and Jerusalem will be divided in three different sections. And the cities of the nation, friend, we have never, the Richter scale, forget about it. It has never experienced such a thing. Never. I saw just a picture today of a 4.4 in Northern California, just today or yesterday. And what it had done, shaking things, animals running, people running, screaming. And I, I was studying, of course, on this. And I saw, what is this going to be when that great earthquake will come? and change the whole surface of the earth. What you getting ready for? The millennium honeymoon. Praise God. And the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came into remembrance before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath and every island fled away and the mountains were not found. The Himalayas, the Alps, the Appalachians, gone. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent, 100 pounds. A baby got killed just a couple of days ago in Spain because a size of a hail ball about the size of a baseball come out of the heavens. I saw just some in Europe where it's just been, the, the weather's just absolutely un unbelievable what's going on in the last few weeks. Beating holes in cars and windshields and busting them out. And you, can you imagine a ball of ice falling out of heaven weighing 100 pounds? You imagine the velocity and the strength of what that will be to drop it. That, that they say you can drop a nickel off of the top of the Empire State Building and if a person is standing there it will kill them and can knock them several feet down into the ground. Can you imagine what a hundred pound ball of ice will do? Hide me, Lord Jesus. Hide me, Lord Jesus. Oh my. I want to be ready, don't you? Let's bow our heads together. Lord God. I wonder before I pray if there'd be anybody here tonight that would say, Brother Donnie, please remember me. Please remember me. Would you just raise your hand to God? God bless you. All over the place, God bless you. Thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, as we bow our heads to the dust of the earth, 
Lord, our hearts tremble to think about the horrific things that's fixing to come to pass on this earth. There'll be no place to hide, Lord. But dear Jesus, we're so glad that you have made a way, a city of refuge for those who want to come in. Father, I pray tonight that you'd move on every heart. If there's any here that's not where they need to be, maybe the Lord, they, they know they need to move up. They've got besetting sins in their life, or they, they know they're just, they're just not doing what they need to do. Help them, Father. Help them to realize this day is coming. It's upon us. Lord, as I heard some great men of military intelligence speaking today, and said, even though Ukraine is now pushing back Russia, and they've taken over 2,300 square miles of their country back, some of the great military men of the earth are afraid that this will drive Putin into a corner, and he will be forced to send nuclear bombs. We don't know when it's going to happen. Just last week, one of the great Russian heads sent word to the United States to stop sending the HIMARS and the long-range missiles. That This was their last warning, or they would feel the wrath of Russia. We don't know when it'll happen, Lord, but we know before one of them things ever fly toward us, the bride will be gone. So, Lord Jesus, we want to live every day as if it was our last day. We want nothing in our lives, nothing in our hearts. Forgive us, Lord. If there's anything in us that displeases you, help us to get rid of it, Father. We love you tonight, Father. How many of you saints would say, Lord, be mindful of me. Be mindful of me, O Lord. I raise my hands to you tonight, Jesus. Help me to live the way you want me to live. Help me to keep my heart pure, my attitude, everything about me, Lord. Oh, grant it, dear Jesus. We love you, Father. Pass by this way tonight, Lord, would you? Heavenly Father, may your great convictor, your presence, Lord, walk down these aisles and walk in between every row of pews, as it were, Deal with every heart. It's fine with me, Lord, to begin with me. If you see anything in me that displeases you, anything, Lord, about me, any attitude, anything that I've done toward anyone that's wrong, if I've harmed anyone in any way, please make it known to me. I will make it right before this night passes. Lord God, forgive us of our ignorances. Lord Jesus, forgive us of even those things that we may not even know that we've done wrong. We want to be right, Father. We do not want to meet you in wrath and anger. We want to meet you in mercy and love and forgiveness, oh God. Hallelujah. Be merciful to us tonight, Father. If there's some here tonight without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I pray they would realize that the shedding of the blood come from your body on the cross was the initial stage that allowed you to come inside of us and live in us in the form of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, if there's any here tonight without it, fill them, Lord.
If there's any sick, heal them, Father. Lord, we don't believe the bride, this group that we're talked about tonight, is just going to become vindicated word then. But she's already that word. You're proving your God through a living bride on the earth. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord God. We worship you, Heavenly Father. Can we just raise our hands? You mind if we just take just a few moments now in the presence of the King? We ought to be so happy here tonight, friends, that we're going to be able to meet Him in peace. And the next time you see Him, you'll not see Him on a big white horse and His eyes as a flame of fire and His feet like fine brass burned in a furnace. And there won't be a name written on His thigh King of kings and the Lord of lords and his vesture dipped in blood. No, but you'll be meeting him as your beloved bridegroom. Praise the Lord God. Why? Because you have accepted his atonement in its fullness, not in its beginning stages, but in its fullness. And you have become married to the anointed word of the last days because you know the anointed word is not just a Bible story. Amen. It's not just even your written Bible. It's the person of the word, the Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you tonight, Father. Hey, sing something for us. Let us just worship together now, can we? Let's just take a few minutes. I know you got to work tomorrow and I know your kids got school and all that, but I'll tell you what, let's just take a few minutes extra to worship and you cut out a little bit more talking outside after church if you've got to go. Let's just spend this here in His presence. I think it'd do us more good to be here than it would out there in one another's presence. Let's just see what our Lord will do right here tonight. Oh, praise the Lord God. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We were lost and wretched, blind and naked, but now we're acceptable in your sight, Lord God. You've made us holy. You've washed us in your blood. You've redeemed us, blessed God. Hallelujah. We bless your name tonight, the Most High. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven.
Just make this just a prayer as we finish the, the, the prayer. Let it ring. Let it ring. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it ring. It's dry and lay the sea, Lord. It's dry on this earth, we need you, Lord. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. We're weary in the battle, Lord. Let it rain. Oh, open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Touch my heart. clad and struggling up the mountain it seemed that he was sad his back was laden heavy his strength was almost gone but he shouted as he journeyed deliverance will come then comes a victory Home. 
tonight Lord God we bless your name Jesus hallelujah 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 nobody loved me like you love me Jesus praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord oh thank you Jesus let's just sing it together before we go Nobody loved me like you love me, Jesus. Praise your holy name, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. I see you in the every morning. It's like a picture that you painted for me. 
manifest that vindication he's talking about right now it's happening right now if you can't get excited about that there's something wrong this is happening to us now this is a reality yes the Holy Ghost is here now healing is here now all deliverance is here now there's nothing nothing that can stop the Glory. mighty conqueror. Glory. Hallelujah. It's time that as the bride of Christ we start accepting what he's done for us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nobody loves us like you love us, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, how great thou art. Oh, how great thou art. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, it's so hard to stop praising. Oh, when you get a taste of that reality. Oh, hallelujah. Let the anointing fall on some of you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. How we love you, Lord. Oh, how great you are, Lord Jesus. Oh, oh, Father. I don't want to stop telling you, Lord. I don't want Lord Jesus ever stop, Lord. As long as I'm breathing, Lord Jesus. Let me tell you how much I love you, Lord. Let me show you how much I love you, Lord. Oh, Father God. Oh, after all these mountains you've brought down, Lord. Oh, Father God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus. How we love you, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you're not just the mighty conqueror, but you're my mighty conqueror, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 
Lord Jesus, you tore down the mountains before me. Oh, you brought the low places high, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father God, something that was dead, Lord Jesus, you lifted up and gave life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, I, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I love him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father. Oh, Lord Jesus. How we love you, Lord. How we bless your name. How we praise you, Father God. Lord Jesus, you come down. Oh, Lord Jesus, if you just whisper in our ears about our future, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father God, you just tell us, Lord Jesus, who we are and where we belong and where we're going, Lord Jesus. Something to look forward to, Lord. Something, Lord Jesus, to keep us going in this evil age, Lord Jesus. You just speak so sweetly to us, Lord. How we praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for talking to us, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe deliverance came tonight. I believe uh, the feelings of the Holy Ghost came tonight. I believe, Lord Jesus, all oh, that healing came, Lord Jesus. How we thank you, Lord Jesus. How are we to stop praising you for that, Lord? Oh, Father God, how are we to stop, Lord? Oh, Lord Jesus, how we love you. I pray that you just be with us, Lord. May, Lord Jesus, we know, Father, that because our human bodies can't handle this anointing so long, Lord. Oh, but one sweet day, Father, we'll be able to stay under this anointing, Father. Oh, but Father God, we got to depart here. I pray that you would just be with my brothers and sisters, Lord. May, Lord Jesus, they take, Lord Jesus, a portion of, of what you give us tonight. And Lord, just dwell on it and think on it and, and feed on it, Lord, through the week, Lord, to give us strength, Lord. While the evil's going on out in the world. Oh, hallelujah. There's peace and joy and comfort in your bride, Lord. Oh, how we love you for it, Lord. I pray that you just be with each and every one, Lord. Help us, Father. We ask it, Lord, in your precious name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We sing how great thou art. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds I have.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Has it been good to be in church? Amen. 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 Claim it. He's done the work. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. When you hit the doors, he's going to be right there nipping at your heels. But he ain't supposed to be at our heels. He's supposed to be under our feet. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the fear of the Lord. Sinking as we go, how great thou art. Hallelujah. Then sings my soul.